You know, Chris, we talked about this a couple weeks ago when I called for a trade of Zion Williamson and you uh, were iffy on it. But now, like even more than before, I'm starting to get seriously scared by Zion. From an outside perspective, obviously, I do not know Zion. I don't I haven't talked to anyone in Zion's inner circle or even his outer circle or anything like that. Uh, But he does seem very checked out of the New Orleans Pelicans. The whole thing about not wanting to rehab in New Orleans, which is like on its own is fine. But then when you layer that on top of the fact that he didn't welcome CJ McCollum to the team, which is just like basic necessities in in the NBA in today's day and age, especially when you're the best player on your team and you're getting another sort of top 50 borderline all-star type player onto your team and you don't even text them to say hey welcome to the team looking forward to playing with you like that to me suggests a guy who is not really interested in playing for the new orleans pelicans and when you couple that with the rumor that he might have to get another foot surgery after staying out way longer than he than expected for this first one and just the general build and uh body type that people were already concerned about with him it's a lot of red flags to me And I'm very, very worried about what we are going to see from the New Orleans Pelicans. I want it to work out. I want it to be great for them. But my my warning sirens are going off. Speaking of red flags, time to wave the green flag on another episode of High Floor, Low Ceiling. And welcome to High Floor. that as our permanent tagline what do you think yeah i like that the sports podcast you're listening to right now because we don't know much about our audience we don't know if they listen to a lot of podcasts or just this one but we do know that that's definitely true well we also know they're in the midwest by and large uh, true shout out true. to the midwest uh but griffin another week another uh another crazy day another crate no we were, <laughs> we were truly grasping at straws to find a segment for today's show uh, not a lot going on in the world of sports right now. Obviously, football is uh, is on the outs. Uh, there is a Major League Baseball lockout, but we are not going to let that stop us. Uh, but All-Star Weekend, Griffin, just passed. It was a, a weekend of ups and downs, I would categorize that as. And you know what? Before we even get into this, let's, let's bring our guest in, because we have a terrific guest today joining us for the whole program. He looks surprised that he's being called on. Uh a returning, I the first ever three-time guest in the history of high floor, low ceiling. Join the three timers yeah. club. You, hold on, please. Let me introduce you. Uh, you you remember him from being in a cave. You remember him from the famous New York Joe's episode, inexplicably one of our most popular episodes. From his bedroom, Clem McConnell joins the podcast. Hello, Clem. How are you? Hi, guys. You don't know that it's my bedroom. Oh, sorry. Where are we? It is my bedroom, but you didn't know okay. that. So, it was <laughs> a very just, good guess. I just want to know I why hope... Chris doesn't believe that New York Joe would be one of our most popular episodes. I was talking to Yara after our last episode, and she told me that one of her friends from the UK told said that our accents were bad, <laughs> which I frankly can't believe. No. I'm talking here. I mean, maybe our English accents weren't the best. You are slipping hard. I, I don't have a basis for a New York accent. I'm building this off of nothing. Um, yeah, you guys know that New York is in English, yeah? New York. <laughs> New York. New York. Yeah, you big need. thanks to Yara for coming on the... Yeah. Oh, I'm kind of slipping into Boston. Talking football. Yara. How do you like those Yaras? We're talking Dorchester. We're talking. Anyway, I can say the words New York Joe in the New York accent, and that's all you gotta also, say. Not really Joe, I will say. You mostly just have New York down. Uh, Cloud, welcome to the show. We we can't do this. We have so many other crazy segments to get to. But Griffin and Clem, uh, Clem, how much of All Star Weekend, NBA All Star Weekend, did you enjoy? Uh, I assume all of it. How much did I enjoy? I enjoy every weekend by virtue of it being a weekend. The all-starness of it all was a huge bonus. And my favorite part about it was how no one thought any part of it was bad. <laughs> yes. 
Unless uh, I haven't asked you. Wait, did you guys think that aspects of it were less than entertaining? Or I, I know I'm the guest and shouldn't be asking questions, but sorry. I'll yeah, why don't you watch yourself first of all? Know your place. Counselor. But I'll allow it. Uh, I did not watch most of it. I will say, I caught up on the highlights as we like to do. I, you know, Steph Curry gave a landmark performance with his 50 points, uh, 16 three pointers, an All Star record. Uh, you know, we saw Scotty Barnes Griffin give a, a a less than inspiring performance in the Skills Challenge. Is that your is that your favorite part of the weekend? Is seeing Scotty Barnes try and hit like a mid range kind of floater? Yeah, that was a disappointing i think i'm at the point where i've sort of switched where i was as a kid where now i'm more interested in the game than i was in the saturday night where i think when i was young i was like oh man the game itself is boring it's just a basketball game but i do think the changes that they made with the elam ending in the fourth quarter especially have really made the all-star game itself very entertaining in the nba but yeah the saturday night needs a big shakeup. i think especially when it comes to as i tweeted i thought this tweet was gonna go viral it got like two likes but uh, i tweeted out more like the sad dud contest. I Maybe I should have just stuck with slam dud contest. I feel like that would have been better than sad dud. But, like, that's the type of tweet where if, if it came by your feed with, and it already had, like, 17,000 likes, you would you would add on. You would be like, yeah, that's funny. I like that. I don't know. So, uh, my favorite... wait, is this part of the podcast where we promote our own tweets? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this, you, you do it every time you come on our podcast. <laughs> Hashtag road to 200. <laughs> Yeah, well, hashtag road to 200, and that is a long winding one, and that one that I hope to complete and get to the end of at some point. But I don't talk about individual tweets that necessarily go. You recently did say to me that the road to 200 was more difficult than you anticipating the job club. (laughs) It Um, is is a difficult road. I've never said that it wasn't. Was it slightly more difficult than that maybe I had anticipated? Absolutely. Do most social media influencers say that the first 100 is the hardest 100? Yeah. Did I find that was the case? No. <laughs> it's definitely the second hundred. Maybe if you <laughs> tweeted more, more than once every eight days, you would have better looks. True. That's we have I'm not ex- seen... Sorry, go ahead. I'm exclusively interested in producing gold content. True. It yeah. goes for Let quality over quantity. Let me just go ahead and quantity. read your most recent tweet here from February 13th. A lot of people in Toronto would like to see more bakeries, regardless of their quality. Now, I'm curious. What goes into a tweet <laughs> like that? Where do you get your inspiration is it a conversation? Is it you walk by a bakery? What do you? What, goes what, what is the vetting process that determines that one to be the tweet of the week? So that one's actually so interesting because that one was a byproduct of a failed grander project that I had actually been sort of workshopping in my own brain for a little while. Curtis Granderson, baseball player. Go ahead. Absolutely, big time, <laughs> huge. What was that? Uh, twenty fourteen. Um, and also spent some time with the Blue Jays. Uh, when he did you just say huge um, 2014 with no follow-up <laughs> i believe that's great right to the season he had Curtis oh Granderson had a huge 2014 sorry i thought you, i thought you were gonna name a team or something but oh, you just no. threw some so i was there. anticipating more turnovers in the uh super bowl <laughs> which is the day that we, i had tweeted that <laughs> I forgot and so about this. and so it was actually going to be a series of tweets where i was going to build up this idea that I had, it was going to be a fictional story where I had, it would be revealed that I had started my own bakery, failed bakery, and that I didn't know what to do with all of the leftover product because I would say something along the lines of, wow, I haven't seen this many unwanted turnovers since I opened that failed bakery on Ossington. And how many, how many tweets were involved to get to this punchline? How long was the walk? Yeah, talk about See, a that's what... <laughs> That's what became kind of like, that's what became so difficult because I was watching the game and I was watching the game with a government mandated and allowed amount of friends, which was, I think, three at the time I had. And two of those were roommates. So we'll, we'll get our fact checkers. They were roommates. <laughs> and um, so it w- it was getting difficult to juggle uh, food, watching on the game, interacting with the guest, <laughs> singular, <laughs> and, and, you know, tweeting Tracking out these tweets the that I... <laughs> that I had actually were, you know, somewhat coincidentally only hack, half-baked in my brain. So but yeah, I'm just say, curious, because there were two interceptions in the game. It's not like there were no turnovers the in the Bengals game. So what was the number? The, game, the Bengals' first drive of the game was also a turnover on downs. <laughs> and I haven't seen I a turnover on downs since I opened uh, that bakery in Downsview Park. Oh! Nice. That would have been <laughs> you just great. come up with that yourself, Chris? That yeah, great. that's an original. I should tweet that. I mean, the premise was given to you. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember that happening. Wait, let's be clear here. Yeah, I just came up with that entire thing. No, that was my original thought. 
<laughs> okay. okay. Um, uh, no, it was a good joke, but one that <laughs> one that you stopped after the setup. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, so I was looking for three. There were certain things, like I said, it just became a lot to handle. I was not. I would have had to really like given away that Sunday to in order to live tweet it at its fullest potential. So what we got instead was this like. I think that was just post run. That was a post run tweet, and I was feeling good and feeling pumped about the day. Ten thirty eight. I was like, I'm absolutely gonna do this, and then that's what I said. That was the first teaser tweet, if you will. I mean, I will say it did number seven likes on that one. Uh, I so was one. I thought it was a hilarious tweet out of context, <laughs> which, which I was pleasantly surprised with. <laughs> I did think it was funny as well, but I was also like, I'm gonna wait this out and see if there's any kind of payoff here. So haven't thrown a like on that one yet. Uh, there was hopefully... not until this podcast. It's a great Claire... Mitchell Martin gave, gave that one a like. He's one of my biggest supporters. Shout out to Mitch Martiner. <laughs> Whoa! Hold on, save the Leafs checkup for next week. Spoilers. No, I love Mitchell Martin. Oh, we <laughs> all do here on High Floor, Low Ceiling. That is an official High Floor, Low Ceiling stance. On oh what official stance Pro. segment. Pro. No, but Clem, I respect your uh, desire to live offline on Super Bowl Sunday and spend the day with your roommates and guests. And uh, I wish I had done that on NBA All-Star Weekend and just not watched at all. I do think that uh, I was talking with my dad. An obligatory shout-out to my dad comes up on the pod from so time to time. Um, and uh, he was saying, what if we just did the slam, con- slam dunk contest every, like, three or four years? Like, made it, like, more of an event, and then the big players would be, like, more obliged or more interested in it. Uh, I yeah, thought like that Yao was Ming. a good idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's get uh, the IOC involved. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, I mean, certainly, I mean, I think that it is just a case where you just can't expect it to be good every year. And probably every, I think about every five years or so, you get like the dud on this level. Obviously, I think it was about five years ago, we had like the the team dunking event, which was very confusing and unnecessary. This one was was tough. My favorite tweet of All-Star Saturday Night was Keith Smith when he said that, uh, that NFT Stand it stood for the nine effing times it took Jalen Green to make his dunk. <laughs> That's good. It's it's no slam dud contest, but it is pretty good. Sure. I thought it was sad dud contest. Well, yeah, sad. but then I, I I realized that I went too far into the joke. People might not have known what I was talking about. Sure. People might That's probably just thought why I was watching some sort of sad contest, which I was <laughs> yeah, in a way. Were... If you were firing off uh, inert fireworks, uh, <laughs> this podcast is going well so far. I'm happy with it. Uh, let's get to our first segment, guys, because you know when Clem's on, we're going to talk a little baseball, and I know what you're thinking. There's no baseball on right now. Are we going to talk about the meeting that occurred earlier this week where there was incremental movement? Clem, any thoughts on, uh, I believe they bumped up the minimum salary, $10,000? Yeah, that's what they moved on. Um, quick correction, there is baseball, just no MLB. Come on. Oh, Sorry. Sorry. You're right. You're so right. Chris, American-centric <laughs> worldview. Um, no, yeah. Uh, the only semi-inspiring things is the length of the meetings has greatly increased since the first few. And the fact that they're happening daily this week is at least something. Yeah, and also the uh, the tower that's being built uh, in front of Rogers Center with Marcus on top. That's like a semi-inspiring thing. Hello? Oh, we're here. Marcus, we're here. Marcus Semien. Here, Clem, let me explain. He said a tower with Marcus on top. <laughs> Semien. Spiring. A tower has a spire. It was uh, quite clever. But... Sorry, I missed that. My bad. <laughs> I don't uh, know. So today... it, it was in the weeds. <laughs> Sorry, that reminds me of this tweet I saw last weekend. It was like, <laughs> sad. <laughs> sad done all-star weekend contest. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> it, it was a good tweet. It should have done numbers. It should have at least like... surpassed Clem's no Clem's no context bakery tweet. I'll throw that gauntlet. Down. It is. I do genuinely feel bad that that tweet would somehow receive more likes than yours, which is a, a thing that happened in the actual world. I put a lot of thought into sad dud contests. Well, I actually put a lot of thought into my tweet. It just <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, that's true. Far too much thought. <laughs> um, let's get to our segment, guys. This is already the exact energy I was hoping for. We did spend about an hour before this podcast chatting and trying to 
figure out what our segment was going to be. Uh, but our first segment, this one we've had nailed down. Uh, the other day, when exactly was this released? I think it was might have been as early as yesterday. Uh, Feb 23. So yes, as of this recording, yesterday, Jim Bowden of the... Is it Bowden? Do you know this club? I actually don't know if I've ever heard his name said out loud. By well, a Jim Bowden of the Athletic. Jimmy B. Yeah, JB, not Bickerstaff. Uh, of the Athletic, he released an article making some predictions for Major League Baseball in for the rest of the decade, for the 2020s. And I thought it would be fun for us to to go through some of these and share our thoughts. Uh, so we'll we'll just we'll pick and choose the most interesting ones. He has one, Clem, I believe you wanted to talk about this, about Fred McGriff getting into the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Is that the one yeah. we're starting with? <laughs> no, we, we don't, don't have to spend too much time. Uh, he's got a fringe case, and I was glad that he had made his uh, the top 20 predictions for the remainder of the decade. Because I don't believe it's the next 10 years either, right? It's the for the remainder of yeah, the Yeah, it's 2020s. for the 2020s. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. a, Seven important more distinction. Uh, so absolutely. best of luck to Fred. Uh, guys, the, his... Yes, Famously, uh, the first prediction that Jim makes is that the Seattle Mariners will win their first World Series. Now, you know, there's obviously, I think it's very tough to predict a World Series. I think it was, uh, you know, he's making some bold predictions here. I think it's really tough to say that anyone is going to win a World Series in a, a seven or ten year time span. Uh, obviously, Seattle, they've sort of been steadily building up. Uh, their collection of assets and quality players. They signed Robbie Ray in the offseason. They had a pretty pretty astounding season last year based on what was expected of them. But I, I feel like just, just on vibes alone, you can't predict the Mariners to win a World Series, right, That's Griffin? That's literally exactly what I was going to say, Chris. He's overlooking the Mariners factor in that there's the Seattle Mariners and they will never win a World Series and nothing good will ever happen to them. Uh, so yeah, the Mariners will probably have a good team, but I don't think they're going to win a World Series in the next seven years just because, yeah, it's hard to win a World Series. Not a lot of teams do it. The odds are not in their favor. Yeah. Sort of reverse, I mean, the one, uh, the one nice thing is, like, he could have... It was such low-hanging fruit for him to just say they will make the playoffs. Right. Well, they well, were, not... he, just over, he just overshot that completely. <laughs> that's not a bold... No one's going to click on an article where the team that was one... A young, good team that was one game away from the playoffs this year. You're telling me... They didn't make it in 2020, a, a year where... The team that I watched most, who played at Christie Pitts, made it. My point is, they well, made they, the playoffs, and every team. Were, oh, I see. You're being sarcastic. Here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because because the way you describe saying. that, it's like it does seem plausible that they could have made the the intercounty baseball league playoffs, <laughs> and they were in the finals yeah. this year. I thought you were just saying the Toronto Maple Leafs happened to make the IBL playoffs <laughs> that year. <laughs> um, yeah. But so, so you're a no on this as well, Clem. Yeah, I mean, I'm a no. It absolutely <laughs> could happen, though. Like, you don't seem like, impressed it, with the with the, the essential premise of this segment. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's here's where the here's where it's actually kind of if you break it down, he's got they've got seven seasons to do it. Um, I don't think that their window starts this season if the season does happen. So they'll essentially have a six season window. They've made some good additions in the short amount of time that they had to add players during this offseason pre-lockout including Toronto's Robbie Ray I don't mean that in that he's from here I just mean that that he played here last season obviously oh, I think you understand. thank that. you thank yeah you <laughs> just a quick Claire um and uh I mean they still are in the American League West which is still a pretty tough division in that the A's never seem to be out of it the Houston Astros are willing to do anything and break every single moral crime you could possibly do to win more baseball games than other teams it's still a you know it's still a long shot not to mention mike trout just constantly semi-inspiring the rangers rangers are trying to go for it as well it's going to be a crowded field in the al west next year all five teams well the a's might be after the lockout ends might be trading away some of their guys and starting afresh but four four really good teams at least yeah, I had actually. Yeah, unlike the unlike Canada, the AL West is projected to see a growing middle class this season, as it happens, as Zips projects the Angels, political. A's, and Mariners. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on, guys. Uh, another one of Jim's predictions: Shohei Otani to win two more MVPs. You know, obviously had the MVP season last year, a tremendous season. Uh, sort of had his his 
breakout moment. I think it's, is it fair to say he is the face of baseball right now, Griffin? He's certainly up there. My one concern with Shohei Otani winning more MVPs, like I definitely think he's got a good chance at it, but do we think that the novelty is going to wear off? Like not because it should, and like we should just get used to the incredible thing that he's doing, but just because I feel like in sports, people get used to the incredible things that we're seeing very, very quickly and just sort of accept them as the new normal. So I feel like voters are going to much faster than they should be just become used to Shohei Otani and not reward him every year, even if he does put up more incredible seasons like he did this year. But I think he'll play like an MVP for the rest of the decade, for sure. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I think that, like you said, like people get fatigued, especially the MVP is such a specifically narratively driven award. Uh, We were looking before the podcast started about like other people who have won three MVPs, and it's not a lot of people. It's like, I think Albert Pujols, Alex Rodriguez, and Mike Mike Trout are the only players to do it since Barry Bonds. But yeah, it's also, it's an interesting case because you'll be putting, you know, Otani's case this year, and you even had people trying to put Vladimir Guerrero Jr. over him this year, even though I think it's fairly consensus that like he did not have as valuable a season as Shohei Otani did. Just because if you're only playing on one side of the ball and you're like the number one guy on that side of the ball, then that's maybe jumps out more than being like the 10th best hitter and the 10th best pitcher. Right, Clem? Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. Actually I said Clem, that but go ahead. Well, yeah. I started saying yeah before you said <laughs> yeah. Clem. Uh, no, always totally. act like this when we have a guest on. <laughs> <laughs> the other thing is uh, Otani is going to turn 28 in the middle of this season. Um, he's played a good chunk of his career in japan at least his like early 20s um, and long gone are kind of the days where people would continue to collect mvps in their 30s on a regular basis um so age is just another thing to consider uh but i i'm a little bit more skeptical of the fatigue hitting for otani's case um, because i still think what he is doing like people aren't going to think it, it, he's a special player rather than like a, it being a special season and like mike trout there was kind of a fatigue there where it was a special player doing a bunch of special seasons but there's kind of a distinction just because you can have those that type of player might come across once every 70 years but this one's like doing a thing that shouldn't be able to be done anymore and I don't know. So I'm, a, I'm not saying that that's a, I'm not saying that I necessarily disagree with fatigue taking a, an effect, but I, I am skeptical to maybe the amount that that fatigue actually sets in because what he is doing, especially to the people that vote on these types of awards, no one's going to be like, yeah, but we've seen this. Like most of yeah. them have been watching baseball for, you know, 30 years and they haven't, they've seen it one year and it happened to be last, but that would be my only thing. But no, I also don't think that he'll make it just because what he did this past season was incredible. And I think that to do two incredible things is a lot harder than to do one incredible thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. And to, to your point, I think, uh, I think like the fact that it's so difficult to replicate and like, I don't like, I don't know of any, you know, people coming up in the system who are two way players, but I doubt we will see a season like the one that Otani had last year from any other player for the, for the rest of the decade, I think is a reasonable thing to say, uh, where someone is like a high quality starting pitcher and a high quality batter. Uh, so, you know, the novelty doesn't go away compared to like, if you have like Steph Curry, who makes like a ton of threes in a year, and then like a few years later, you do have guys who are, if not eclipsing that mark, then at least sort of in the same stratosphere and it no longer stands out as such a huge outlier. Whereas Otani, as long as he's still good, he will continue to be a huge outlier. Um Speaking of huge outliers, Juan Soto, uh, Jim predicts that Juan will be traded because uh, just basically the state of the Nationals is basically what he seems to think, uh, that the Nationals are sort of uh, at the start of a rebuild here. Juan Soto turned down an extension uh, before the lockout. There's a few, only a few years left on his contract. And so their reason, uh, Jim's reasoning is, for all those reasons, Soto will be traded before his free agency ends and then go on to, he thinks, sign a, a, a monstrous contract as a free agent, which I think is fair to say given what we've seen from Juan Soto. But, uh, but a trade, Clem, do you think that a trade is is on the cards for, uh, for Juan Soto or is he just too valuable a player to, to not hang on to? I I don't I mean he has and we don't hedge here I just want to make that clear on high right. flow high flow we famously don't hedge <laughs> yeah he will um I I think it's 
absolutely something that the nationals will entertain um it's not that they haven't given out relatively large contracts in the past but they haven't given out what will be probably the largest contract <laughs> of all time in major league history um and his scott boris is his agent which i think is just a super relevant point to make when talking about juan soto's future and he really likes his players to test free agency and I have no idea what the extension would have to look like from the Nationals part point of view, but I think it would have to be some insane number that I just don't can't see them ever producing. So I, I do think that um, unfortunately for Nationals fans, it is in the cards because he's just he's just so good. He may have actually outgrown that market. Yeah, uh, 13 years, 350 million. <laughs> the uh the figure that he was turned down i mean like it's 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 reasonable right griffin to to turn down even an offer of that size that's you know approaching or over 30 million dollars a year for someone who's had as good of a start to a career as juan soto has oh absolutely because the number that is being tossed around with juan soto right now is 500 million dollars baseball's first ever half billion dollar contract and so i think that he took that 350 million offer or whatever it was and said no thank you rightfully so i do think that this prediction that both halves of these predictions from jim can and might come true like trading soto i think is a very realistic thing just because like once you get to the point where it's clear that he won't sell sign for less than let's say 480 million or whatever like you've got a guy who is a great player one of the best players in baseball for sure and so young and so good but baseball as at as baseball by its very nature mathematically limits the amount of times that like a single player has impact on a game no matter how good that player is so if some team comes to you and says we will give you four blue chip prospects and I don't I'm still never really clear on what the rule for trading draft picks is in Major League Baseball but a bunch of draft picks too for a team in the Washington Nationals who are like ranked 20th in the uh, MLB pipeline farm system rankings like they don't really have an obvious compete window right now they've lost Scherzer they've lost Harper no one really knows what's going on with Steven Strasburg so Soto's sort of in this weird little in-between window for them. Uh, so I do think it's a very realistic scenario where they do end up trading Juan Soto. Yeah, and that's a generous farm system ranking too. There are um, others that put them in the high 20s. So uh, the window is, as of now, not great. I, I, I mean, the prospect haul that you would get with someone like Juan Soto would be, I would, there's a part of me that would just cheer for that. I would just love to see how much would have to be moved from another organization for that one single player because you put it as him being one of the best baseball players in the game but he's probably the most talented hitter that has probably existed over the last like 50 years <laughs> yeah yeah he's, like i which makes him one of the best absolutely best baseball players in the yeah. game but so he's, you're saying i'm right basically <laughs> yeah absolutely i'm not disagreeing but he is so good at the thing that is so important hitting is still such a big part and getting on base is such what a is, huge whoa buddy ball over game. here yeah yeah but and so i mean he's just and he'll hit free agency when he's 26 years old which is also another no, yeah. he, he's he's beyond generational like you said clem like maybe in this article jim describes him as a cross between ted williams and hank aaron which is like obviously you see that and you go excuse me but yeah that's sort of ted williams is the name that gets tossed around when we talk about juan soto like just in terms of the way that they hit and or the if you're a movie they... exec you say excuse me like in an what's, excited tone what's this right. like pitching a movie he's a cross between ted williams and, <laughs> <Hank Aaron>. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a movie pitch <laughs> yeah i smell money at the box office buco dolores bafo bo um <laughs> sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> expansion teams the names that jim mentions so he thinks that nashville and las vegas will be the two teams uh to be added he mentions montreal charlotte and portland i think it's fair to say i think i think las vegas is like pretty much a slam dunk right griffin yeah everyone's like, going to vegas i think for baseball to play there in the summer you'd need an indoor stadium but i think all new baseball stadiums should be like retractable roofs anyway so that's not a big deal um, Vegas seems like a slam dunk. Nashville is obviously a, a city that gets tossed around a lot when you're talking about Major League Baseball expansion. 
Canadians, I know we would all love to see Montreal get a team. I think they're on the list for sure, but uh, who knows what's going on with Tampa Bay and all that. So I think Charlotte and or Nashville and Las Vegas, pardon me, are two like as likely options as any. Yeah, Clem, how do you feel about the whole Montreal thing? Do you feel like it's it has merit? Do you feel like it's still a bit of a pipe dream right now? Where do you stand? I mean, I think that there's merit in that there would be interest. One of the things that he kind of does that I thought, thought was a little bit funny in his article was when he talked about uh, moving to Vegas was that they would need another team in the Southwest, but he doesn't say that Canada, the entire country, could use another team. And, you know, there's a little bit of an untapped market there as well. Um, I'm not saying that Veg- the team in Vegas would go to Montreal, but... I do think that there is an interest. I don't know if they'll make the cut in terms of the two expanded teams. Um, also, just the fact that they would have to build a brand new ballpark is still a huge part of it. Montreal, maybe. Maybe Montreal. Absolutely, it could happen. Um, but it might not because stadium not built, but people are built there and would watch baseball. I don't know that why I thought a... that I couldn't speak in full sentences. <laughs> <laughs> um, Very just, well said. Well, well, let's skip to one more, guys. Um, the this is and this is a fun one for us, obviously. Uh, Jim says the Toronto Blue Jays will be, and this is a quote here: "The team of the 2020s." He says they will win two World Championships. He predicts they will win one in uh, in this upcoming season, 2022, which I was very surprised by personally. Um, you know, obviously, I think it's fair to say there's reason for Blue Jays fans to be excited in terms of their overall core and things like that. Um, and I think Jim rightly says that they are built for the long run here, but it does seem a little aggressive, (laughs) obviously, to say that they will be the team of the decade. Clem, just where do you stand on this? Uh, We'll try not to hedge, but it's a little hard to hedge when he says that they will win two championships, but it, it seems to me like the general feeling around the Blue Jays is there's a ton to like, but it's not like, you know, say, I'm trying to think of an equivalent where there's just a huge boatload of quality prospects being built up and that, that that will naturally, you know, propel them to a World Series. Like, even like a team like the Orioles, where they have a lot of prospects coming up, it doesn't feel like there's a guarantee here, right? Yeah, well, I think if you're looking for an example, honestly, the Dodgers, which have just like, they right. are still, their farm system is ranked by most places as like a top three, if not number one by most um just a perpetual line of awesome prospects that they've developed in-house and have also acquired through savvy trades um yeah it's tough not to hedge the bets but they are in a position to be the like and if they do happen to win the first world series in 2022 of the decade their first world series of the decade then absolutely it's a possibility um and they are in I think almost as good as position to kind of do that as any other team. Uh, there are a couple pieces this season from being a, a like just a disappointing a blue season. Contender. Like nine, yeah, a true blue contender, not even a like squeaking into the playoffs kind of thing, which is like arguably where they're at now. Um, and I don't think that they're done this off season. So um Obviously, certain guys like Jose Ramirez have been kind of thrown around in terms of trade targets. Chris Bryant is a free agent. Uh, there are some yeah, infielders that they could add, maybe another bullpen piece in the form of someone like Colin McHugh uh, that would really put them over the top. I think that their rotation is built to last for a long time. Um, they've got a great lineup that is very young, and they have the flexibility, and I think payroll and um, service time flexibility to kind of run the rest of this decade out so i don't disagree with him that it's like a absolutely a possibility but um it's always hard to predict the team of a decade it's hard to even it's hard to say what the team of a decade was retroactively would you give yeah. the 2010s to the dodgers or the giants yeah it's a it's definitely a tough question and but i think i think a great point you hit on there is the the payroll flexibility there you know we've seen it with the raptors and even to a lesser extent the maple leafs where the the investment can be there. You know, Toronto is kind of like a pseudo big market where they don't tend to like to spend a lot, it seems, but the investment can be there if there is like a genuine sort of contendership status being presented. Uh, Griffin, the Blue Jays, you know, they kind of are on the outside of the second tier of contenders, I would say, looking at these uh, these betting odds. 
for the the 2022 World Series, if such a World Series were to occur. Uh, The Dodgers, plus 500, they're far and away the favorites. And then you have the Braves, the Astros, the White Sox, the Yankees, the Rays. I don't think it's... It's not definitely not unreasonable that they could be in that tier of teams, right? No, Chris, not at all. And I think that this season is going to be a big one for the Blue Jays where they, they have to take another step forward this year if they want to be a team, the team of the 2020s. I think that they will be. I've, I've been saying this uh, not on the podcast, but in private uh, for several years that the 2020s will, like the Blue Jays will be the team of the decade. I like this prediction from Jim a lot. I'm in on it. And, uh, but yeah, this year is crucial for them. They need to make the playoffs and win a round in the playoffs and then from there you build i'm not sure if they'll win the world series this year but this has to be a year of growth for them and if it is i think the sky is the ceiling of course as we always say sky floor low ceiling um but yes that it will obviously we will be uh, keeping an eye on that hopefully there is an mlb season this year uh speaking of baseball we will be continuing on the baseball bet having a little bit of fun with some trivia when we come back on high floor low ceiling and welcome back to uh, High Floor Low Ceiling. Bring back the New York Joes for... Hey, yo. Uh, hey, yo. Hey, we're walking in. I'm New York in here. I believe that was a quote from you last time, Chris, which I thought was very thank, funny. Thank you for apologizing, Clem. Uh, Clem McConnell still with us, a rare two-segment guest. Uh, Clem, how'd you feel about that first segment? Home run or just a ground rule double? <laughs> I mean, both are great outcomes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I'll give that one a ground rule double. The only reason I say not a home run is because I just rarely swing for the fences. (laughs) You're more of a a contact hitter. More of a high floor, low ceiling. Whoa! Whoa! Okay. Very good. He's on the show, folks. (laughs) That's the name of the show. Uh, And it's the podcast you're listening to right now. Welcome back, folks. We're going to continue on our baseball bent gonna have a little bit of fun here i have concocted a, a truly devious uh game for us today that i'm going to subject clem and griffin to uh famously as you probably know clem baseball full of crazy facts crazy stats obviously you have you know people always talk about doc ellis throwing the no hitter on lsd but And of course, baseball is full of those kinds of facts. And so today we're going to have a little trivia contest, but there's a twist here. Uh, So I have 10 trivia facts here. I'm not going to tell you how many are real and how many are fake, because that would give away the answer to the final question. Oh, so Uh, true. But there are 10 questions here, or 10 pieces of trivia. Some are real, some are fake, and you guys are going to have to guess which one of these are real. Um, you, you will keep your own score here. You know, there's no buzzing in or anything. You can talk through your answers. You can consider all the options. Uh, keep your own score, of course. But we have the, a set of true and false trivia. I just realized I did not mark which ones are true and which ones are false. So hopefully I can remember which ones I wrote immediately before we started recording this episode, but we'll see. Uh, Clem, how are you feeling about this segment? Because you were asking about the rules over the break and seemed perturbed. Yeah. Would you guys want to call it Midsummer True? Because the, the game is played in the summer. Mid- Midsummer are true. But yeah. why mid? Because the game is played Cause midsummer. Cause of the he but just also, explained that. But also early and late summer as well. Mm-hmm. There's a movie? Is that why you're... <laughs> yeah, kind of. Maybe he's saying your hosting <laughs> but... skills are mid. Well, fair enough. That famous baseball movie. We can cut movie, that out. Midsummer. No, no, no. That's staying in. Um, they do play so baseball guys, in that movie, don't they? I think that's in possible. Sweden? Let's get Shout started, guys. Again, keeping track of your own score. <laughs> and uh, and we want to hear the thought process here, of course, to make this a little more interesting. So, number one. In an effort to drum up fan interest, in 1977, the White Sox held Saturday Night Fever, where members of the bullpen would compete weekly in a dance competition for a $1,000 grand prize. Guys, is this midsummer true or mad summer false? I I don't know about you, Clem. I'm leaning towards false on this one. I feel like baseball players would not subject themselves to this. A dance competition in front of the fans every week for a year, especially relievers who like might have to pitch that day. It seems like it could be like an injury liability if I'm really stretching. I'm feeling false on this one, but I'm willing to be persuaded that we can go with true i feel like you and i are sort of combining to submit an official guess no you, I you both, so you'll both submit individual guesses and you will be scored individually and there will oh, be a okay. winner on this so okay um, never mind. well i think I'm, well, I'm locking in false okay 
I'm going to say false as well. And my, the reason that I'm picking that to walk you through it is because I feel like I can actually walk through Chris's mindset. I think what he did was he went on a website and he looked up 188 crazy factoids. And in 1977, I can't remember if this was the actual year, there was a disco inspired event in which people brought records to the ballpark. Oh, and they threw them all in the field. So I could see him, (laughs) I could see getting to this like stage and then coming up with a different, coming up with like a, a slightly different version of what may or may not have happened. And so that's where I'm going with false. Chris is also the type to start on a false. Try and throw us off. A false step in the wrong direction. So you guys have both locked in false. Guys, this one is false. You're, for all the reasons you stated, Griffin, you're absolutely right. I am the type to start off on a false. I don't want to start with the first two being a true and a false. Uh, And Clem, I did did not read it on one of the many uh, trivia pages I perused for this, which, you know, some great facts on there, like how many World Series the New York Yankees have won. Uh, when baseball was integrated these were all on articles that were like crazy stats you'll never believe it's like (laughs) never mind uh but yes you're absolutely right that the disco demolition night famously uh that that was an inspiration here also uh an inspiration for me was the brawl for all event in world wrestling entertainment where uh wrestlers competed in real life uh boxing tournaments for a grand prize. So the Saturday Night Fever weekly contest held by the White Sox was false. You both are starting off with a point on the board. Congratulations. Number two, during World War II, the US military designed hand grenades to be the size and weight of a baseball since, quote, any young American should be able to pop properly throw it. Clem, I'll come to you I'm first. gonna lock it. I actually have no idea if this is true or false, but what I can tell you is that I have read this word for word, and I'm assuming that you probably just got it wherever I probably read it word for word, so I'm going to lock in true. Uh, I have never heard this before, but independent of Clem, I was also thinking true, just because that does seem like the exact type of fact you would hear about like wartime ingenuity and engineering, that because they were drawing from such a wide pool of potential soldiers, they wanted something easy to grasp so i'm going with true as well okay you're both wait can i say true. one thing sorry uh i suppose so yeah okay sorry the only reason i actually just realized that i may have been wrong was because i may have gotten a small detail in that are you doing that are you doing that small detail trick to, to us okay i can't i can't well, I comment we'll on that. the uh, i guess we'll find out i guess we'll find on that. the way that we'll i'm composing out. certain questions but you both have locked in true your answers cannot be changed now and guys this one was true you're both two for two. I hope I did not make this game too easy. Let me just take a big celebration. Uh, you're absolutely right. The grenade was the size and weight of a baseball. That is the darn truth. Question number three. Although he never made it to the major leagues, famed bank robber John Dillinger was once a professional baseball player playing second base. Griffin, I'll come to you first here. You know, it sounds like it could be true. And... I, I think we all know. All sound like they could be true. I will say. No, I know, but like this one really sounds like it could be true, and I think we all know that the way minor league baseball players are paid and treated, uh, might have to resort to robbing banks if you know what I mean. Oh, you're so right. <laughs> but I did recently listen to a podcast about John Dillinger, and I don't remember them mentioning that. And I think if he had been, it would have been like, "Hey, here's a fun fact." So I'm going with false. Okay. Clem, we will turn to you now. Wow. I've <laughs> never heard I have never heard this. But based on how easy the first two were and like because I could kind of pinpoint because <laughs> I could pinpoint the My way mentality. You went through <laughs> Foreman formulating the questions. I wanna say false as well because it's like this I just feel like I've consumed so much baseball content in my life that I haven't heard this. And this feels like something that I would have like stumbled upon and I am absolutely ready to be proven wrong, but that is why I'm locking in that answer. All right, which is guys, you have both locked in false, and this question is true. No way. Johnny Depp? Johnny Depp himself in the film Public Enemies, directed by Michael Mann, 2009, uh, was once a professional baseball player. Now, I will say, I did not fact check whether these were actually true. <laughs> I think, I but, think you're, so, that's enough. So these are posted somewhere on a website that claims that they were true, is what I will say. 
so both of you with two points right now have not deviated from each other. Still waiting on that disagreement, but we will, we'll, you know, no pressure. We'll see. Number four here. And we will be going through all ten of these. I don't care how long the episode is. I worked <laughs> too hard on these not to do them all. Uh, number four. In the early 20th century, clubs would keep the tobacco spit from spittoons, which pitchers would use to improve their grip. God, that's disgusting. I'm going to turn to you first here, Clap. I'm going to say true. That sounds something like they would do in the 1920s, and they didn't care about... When the germ theory, when was that created? Like 1984 <laughs> or something like that? I just feel like, I just think, yeah, it. Uh, that sounds like something that people wouldn't have cared about. Well, you never put another person's spit on your hand to throw it out so you get more curvies on it? I feel like if they were all chewing tobacco back then anyway, so why would they need to keep the spit? Why couldn't guys just spit on their hands when they needed some spit? Um, I'm going to go with false, maybe just because I, I dream of a better world where something like this wouldn't be so gross and true. Sometimes that lets me down. Sometimes the world's a dark, scary place, but I, I, I'm going with false. All right, we have our first descent here. Clem has locked in true. Griffin has locked in false. Guys, this one is false. I made this up. Let's go, Chris. You're deranged. However, you're deranged. However, hold on now. <laughs> I actually, the reason that I came up with this one is because I took it from an even grosser one, which was that apparently this is a real thing and much more modern than the early 20th century, that pitchers would pee on their hands in order to toughen them up during the season. Uh, oh, you know yeah, that's, so funny? that's just a thing. I Yeah, I've heard of that. I have like, okay. if you had actually said that, I would have just known. <laughs> right, that's why I wanted to. So like, I was like, I'm not gonna do that one. I'm gonna do a a, a version of that one. So the the dirty dip water <laughs> uh, <laughs> was not used to to improve the grip here. All right. Uh, so Griffin taking a slim lead here. Hopefully he can hold on to that. Question five, guys, or statement five. When his fans wanted to give him a retirement present. Sonny Jim Bottomley requested a cow. They named the cow Fielder's Choice and brought it to his farm. Clem, you are shaking your head here. I'm shaking my head because this is such a baseball-y story that I have Sonny just... Jim Bottomley, the name of this <laughs> gentleman. Sorry, is he like a former baseball player or is he just a, some guy who got a cow named Fielder's this is, Choice? This is a former professional baseball player. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. On, on when he was in the league. You don't have info? I do not. I cannot provide any additional information on that. Right. Uh, but Clem, how do you, how do you, uh, how do you plead here? Okay. I'm trying to think at what point, I just don't know enough about American economics in the early <laughs> 1900s to know what window this would be both like a gift that somebody would want and something that a major league or professional ball team could economically viably provide a well it was i will say it was provided by his fans not by the team is what i will clarify in that statement uh, i mean i'm i'm a it's got to be in the 20s <sighs> i guess i just want this to kind of be true i love hearing stories like this i'll say yes especially after i painted the world in such a dark picture based on my last answer to the last right. question so yes true right, i'm gonna go dropping... go ahead griffin please well no sorry chris uh, i didn't mean to cut off your summary of clem's uh, response <laughs> but uh, I'm, clem... I'm gonna go with true as well all right a couple of trues guys sunny jim bottomley and his cow fielder's choice this one is true you're absolutely right clem he played from 1922 to 1937 a two-time world series champ the 1928 national league mvp and home run leader and rbi leader inducted in 1974 to the baseball hall of fame sunny jim bottomley and his cow field is choice that one's real. the cow got inducted into the hall of fame i'm not sure i'll have to double check that intel and get back to you number six guys a cow the named Fielder's two. Choice was inducted into the baseball hall of fame. <laughs> Number six, the first baseball game, I'm using air quotes here, to be played on the moon occurred in 1974 when astronauts Tom Cerno and Joseph Acaba played a mock game with a regulation MLB ball and a special ultralight aluminum bat. First baseball game played on the Griffin, uh, where are you going here? I've heard of them playing golf on the moon. I've never heard of them playing baseball on the moon. I also feel like you would want an ultra-heavy bat because gravity is lighter on the moon. So an ultra-light bat would just be, like, even more light and 
wouldn't like float away. Um, My understanding was that it was a cost savings measure, not a we want to hit the <laughs> hardest dingers we can on the moon type measure. Now that you say that, that makes a lot more sense. <laughs> I forgot that they have to get there. Um, I'm still going with false, though. I don't. I've never heard of anyone playing baseball on the moon. Okay, Clem, where are you standing here? I want to say false too, but. Because the only the only thing that like gives me a little bit of like uh, misgivings about the answer false is when you said an ultralight aluminum bat, it really screamed um, just kind of like a a bad late seventies marketing campaign or sorry mid seventies marketing campaign where. Thank you for clarifying some... what part of the seventies <laughs> that bad marketing campaign would come from. <laughs> well, I could have gotten away with early, but late was <laughs> just egregious. <laughs> Um, and so there is a part of me that thinks that that could have happened and that I imagine there's just a whole slew of going to the moon trips where they didn't bring a camera to, to, to like videotape because, um, much like Shohei Otani's potential MVP awards fatigue set into the American viewer Absolutely. on how often either go to the moon or fake the moon landing, depending on who you're talking to. So how do you plead? Uh, oh, false, I guess. <laughs> It sounded like you were ramping false up. False because the nobody's truth. been to the moon. <laughs> right. All right, guys, you're both locked in false here. The first baseball game on the moon, this one is false. You're both yeah. correct. Let's uh, go. Some really strong logic being used here. You guys, I cannot get one over on you guys. Hopefully, we'll. Oh, Clem's doing the waving robot arm. <laughs> He's really moving. I've never seen him dance like this. Uh, well done, guys. Still doing well. Griffin's still up by one here. Number seven. In the mid-1800s, you could be put out between the bases by having the ball thrown directly at you, known as patching. Clem, I will come to you first here. Put out between the bases by being thrown or being hit with the ball, having it thrown at you in a, a process or a rule known as patching. I don't know what the... I can't remember when it was or what it was called, but I do vaguely remember reading something along the lines of this being true at some point. So for that reason, I'll go with true, um, but I'm not going to elaborate on like how I know or why I know or anything because I don't. I just vaguely remember. And maybe I'm misremembering mid-1800s baseball history for just how we play would play in grade two <laughs> during recess. <laughs> so, and you would kick the which, ball, right? Which was just, yeah, like a very... And I did, to be fair act like i was from the 1800s for a solid three years well from the ages of like seven to ten so a lot of mid 1800s history and those years of my childhood get intertwined and mixed up in ways that i'm still trying to unweave yes a needle in a time stack as the 2021 film positive terrible film uh griffin (laughs) where do you stand on the the activity of patching uh, this absolutely sounds like something that would be a rule in 1800s baseball, uh, sort of before the modern era, as they call it. Um, I'm absolutely going with true. All right, some very firm trues coming out from the guys. Guys, in the mid-1800s, patching was extant in the baseball rule book. This one is true. You are on a roll here. Really impressed with you guys. Really unimpressed with myself. Uh, Just killing it. Number eight, guys. During his 1986 American League MVP season, Roger Clemens had a no-hitter broken up in the ninth inning when a ball was put in play by bouncing off of Ron Walker's foot, which the umpire did not see. Was Roger Clemens, was his no-hitter broken up by a, a football? Not to be confused with a football. And I believe it is Griffin's turn to be the first responder here. And we salute our first responders. <laughs> Thank <as> you. Well. <laughs> Woo woo. Jeez, alive. this one's tough. This one's They'll tough. Bang this our is... pots and pans for you, Griffin. <laughs> this is another very good one from you, Chris. Um, I I'm, can't remember off the top of my head if Roger Clemens was the MVP in 1986. That could be where you're trying to get us. Yes. I will say that, that I didn't do anything like that. That is a true fact. Roger Clemens was the 1986 American League MVP. No, I didn't. I didn't think you would be that nitpicky. Um, in the end, Jonathan nitpicky from Jerry Maguire. Sorry, oh, go ahead. Oh, cute kid, cute kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wish he wasn't so nitpicky. Uh, I'm gonna go with false for no real reason. I just feel like it's false. All right, a leap of faith by Griffin here. Clem, Roger Clemens's failed no hitter. The the foot of God, you could call it. Is this one true? <laughs> um i think it's false as well i and i feel bad because i would have loved to deviate 
Grump. <laughs> You're not going to catch up. <laughs> just for... <laughs> Just, just for entertainment purposes. But I don't think that this happened, <laughs> and I'm not going to elaborate on that either. Neither of us have a reason. Like a, a great needle in a time stack. <laughs> I don't believe we'll find this eye of the storm. What? What? I kind of lost the Guy. thread there. Well, because needles have eyes. Needles. Well, have needles eyes. have threads as well. Uh, kind of. And I lost the thread. Guys, Roger Clemens's broken up no hitter during his 1986 season. This one is false i made up the name ron walker uh and also the thing didn't happen to be clear that's not the only reason why it was false Um, that was a very good 1986 baseball name thank you i was i really enjoyed the coming up with the names for some of these uh so you guys i mean i'm i'm being embarrassed i have egg on my face you guys are killing it no, they're good they're hard we're just guessing i got one wrong, sure. I got one wrong. you've uh, got two wrong i've got one wrong. is that right i'm Did not both, perfect uh, am i didn't we both get one wrong oh the john dillinger you both got wrong yeah uh yes yes, yes, yes. uh number nine guys before baseball became the commonly accepted name for the sport regional names such as hook ball roll ball and simply ball were common throughout parts of the United States. Hookball, rollball, and ball were these as names for what we now call the beautiful game of baseball. Um, I'm going to say no. I feel like that's football. Those names were early, <laughs> early things at football. Okay. Because, uh, oh, go on. no, no, please. I was just going to make up a bunch of weird stuff. It doesn't matter. <laughs> People are all over it. Let's be real. It's true. People have turned off the podcast by now. Uh, so Clem is locking in false just on a vibe. Griffin, where do you stand on this one? Yeah, I'm leaning false as well just because I can't think of when you hook a ball or roll a ball in baseball. So I don't know why they would be called hook ball or roll ball. Um, and ball does not seem specific enough. So I'm going to go with false as well. Guys, hook ball, roll ball, and ball, were these used as names? This one is false. You guys are killing the game. So impressed with both of you today. We have one more for you. Let's see if Clem can turn this into the most exciting thing in sports, a tie. Uh, (laughs) Question number 10 here. Pitcher Raleigh Fingers first grew his iconic handlebar mustache because team owner Charlie Finley offered his players $300 for growing a mustache by Father's Day as part of a publicity stunt. Did Raleigh Fingers grow his famous mustache in order to make three hundred dollars with a with a one point lead here chris who do you want to go first well just by the rules of the game as we've established i believe clem is going to make the first move here down one point uh so i guess griffin can kind of i'm gonna i'm gonna stick to i have an answer in my head right now chris i'll message it to you i trust i trust you griffin i trust you but we'll come to you first i'm a sports annoying this is a great question because i believe all of these things have happened number one he obviously has a mustache of course um and i believe the owner of the oakland a's at one point was doing all sorts of weird things in terms of marketing um including having paying his players to grow mustaches to the point that i believe some weirdly refused i shouldn't say weirdly it's body it's their body they can do whatever they want body autonomy <laughs> yeah um <laughs> but uh so i and then i but i don't know if that was if raleigh fingers did that i am going to say true because i would hate to be weirdly wrong but i can <laughs> live with being normally normally wrong. right <laughs> Not sure that tracks, but we'll come to you, Griffin. Hang on I to the lead here. Where do you have, stand on this? I've certainly never heard this story before, but all of those things together absolutely sound true to me. That sounds like one of the most baseball things I've ever heard. I 100% believe this is true. All right. Was Raleigh Fingers paid $300 to grow his mustache? Guys, this one is true. Yes! Congratulations to both of you. A terrific performance. I could not stump you at any turn here. Uh, And the one that you both got wrong was a true one that she said was false. So really highlighting my inability here. But a terrific performance for both of you. Griffin just edges out Clem with nine points to eight. Clem is really, I have not seen him dance like this ever before. <laughs> Been his friend for over a year now. Uh, impressive stuff from both of you. Congratulations, Griffin. Clem, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. We'll have to see once we truncate all of your long pauses, <laughs> whether this is our <laughs> longest episode yet. It's definitely <laughs> up there. 
I think I think the Christmas episode is our longest episode yet. Go back and give that one a listen if you haven't yet. Great episode. Absolutely. I mean, listen to all our episodes. Yeah, please Um, do. But but usually I do this part. Well, you want to do it? I mean, sure. A a big thank you to Clem for joining us today. Clem, where can the people find you on Twitter? Your hashtag road to two hundred. At my name, Clem. C-C-N-N-L-L. I've not thought about my Twitter handle in a long time, so I, I wasn't sure maybe, what I was going to go on. Well, no, I was just going to say, maybe we clean that up a bit. We got a full McConnell in there. Maybe we're on the road to 200 a little better. That's all I'm saying. I don't know. We had the same advice for Connor R. O'Neill, mm-hmm. and he was a recent guest. But we have had a string of great guests on the podcast lately, so if you've missed an episode, make sure you go back and listen uh, to Yara talking about the champions league last week or connor talking about the super bowl a couple weeks before that as always uh please make sure you rate us five stars follow subscribe whatever it is you do on your podcast app of choice make sure you do it so that you don't miss the next episode uh we really appreciate you guys listening follow us on instagram tiktok uh what's the other one twitter at hflc podcast chris is there anything i'm missing uh well you can follow us as well on twitter of course uh, griffin porter 97 myself at chow sun jan uh next week we will be coming back with another podcast <laughs> i'm glad make sure you follow here. you seem to be sticking your finger up but i wasn't sure if you wanted to make a point or if you were just twiddling your raleigh fingers-esque mustache oh sorry it was the latter Does, okay. did anyone pay you to grow that uh no <laughs> i wish he's being he's paid in attention from potential romantic partners <laughs> thank you for joining us folks until next time thank you for listening keep your floors high and your ceilings